Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. I want to talk today about prayer. Prayer is a powerful thing. How many know we need prayer, right? And so prayer as a lifestyle is what I want to talk about today in the Word. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 to 20 is where we're going to start this morning. Uh, But before we go there, I I believe that uh, when God's people move to prayer, uh, when when we move to pray, revival happens, right? I believe that prayer is very, very important. And uh, I remember when I was in St. Catharines, I was attending a church of about 700 people, and it was a good church. And um, I I decided, you know, I'm going to start going to the pre-service prayer meeting. So there'd be 700 people roughly to 1,000 people, depending on the Sunday, in this church. And uh, I'd go to the prayer meeting beforehand was in the basement. And there was seven, seven people, right, praying for 700 people. Seven people praying for 700 people. And it just kind of hit me. I was like, man, like, we're praying for all these needs. Wouldn't it be cool if we had, you know, 200, 300 people praying for 700 people? Because there's, there's power in numbers, right? One can put 1,000 to flight. Two can put 10,000 to flight. And so, you know, there's that law of multiplication. And so, so I just thought, well, that's really, it would be neat if we saw more people praying. That's a lot of burden for seven people, right? And so around that time, I had gone down uh, with, uh, I believe I was with my mother, and you came with us, and, and the youth went down to Brownsville. Brownsville was having a revival. I think it was in 1995 we went down, or 98, somewhere in that time. But the revival broke out in 94. And so we went down, and they had revival meetings every single night. They had, well, it was uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Every night they had revival meetings. And Tuesday night was a prayer meeting. We were down early, and we said, well, let's go to the prayer meeting. Let's see what the prayer meeting's like. And so... Um, we had decided to go to the prayer meeting on the Tuesday night, and I walked in expecting to see seven little ladies praying for this revival. And when I walked in, I thought, oh, it must be a service, because uh, there was a, probably about 1,500 seats in the place. So the main level was filled, and the balcony was filled, and they were all praying. And when you were praying, you could hardly hear yourself, because the person beside you and everyone was praying, and it sounded like a beehive of people praying, and so you couldn't hear each other. So the pastors would get up on stage, and they would hold up a banner and say, a high schools in the Brownsville area, and then everyone would just, blah, 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 and you just hear like this buzz of people praying and crying out to God. And then they put up another banner saying, we're praying for the churches in this region. And, and it would go on and on like that. And it was so, it was like dynamite. And I really feel that, you know, the, the enemy is not afraid of most preaching, but he gets afraid when we start to pray because what happens is we're, we're going and we're grabbing resources from heaven to fight against his kingdom. And he gets nervous about a church that prays. Amen? And so we need to become a people who pray. We need to understand how important prayer is. Jesus said, my house shall be a house of what? Prayer. Prayer. You know, I was driving by the mosque the other day, and I noticed their, their service times or their schedule times are prayer times. And I, can't, I, I just glanced, but I noticed that they had like several times during the day where you could come to the mosque, the doors are open, you can come and pray, right? And um, many times as a church, it's we come to church because we want to worship, which is awesome. We come to church because we want to get some new teaching or, or see the scripture in a new light. And so we, we go for teaching and for worship. But my house should be called a house of prayer. And what would it be like if as a church we got together and we would pray and we would seek God together? And have a little bit of teaching, but spend a lot of time in prayer as well. We would see transformation, I believe, in our region at another level, right? And so Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 to 20, Paul is speaking to the church of Ephesus. And this is what he says, Ever since I heard of your strong faith in the Lord and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. 
I pray for you constantly. All right? I pray for you constantly. And so Paul would say stuff like, follow me as I follow Christ. And we see Paul has this, this consistent life of prayer. He didn't pray once a while. He, he had a lifestyle, say a lifestyle, of prayer. And, and when you really get the spirit of prayer in your life, it's not hard work. It just becomes natural. How many hear what I'm saying? And so Paul says, I pray for you constantly. He was committed and consistently praying for people. Paul understood that prayer is the fuel that propels us in our spiritual life. Without prayer, we can't move forward in our destiny. It's not enough just to read the scripture. You have to read the scripture and pray, right? You need both in your life. And so I'm, I'm going to talk a bit about prayer today because I want to encourage you. I'm not, I don't want anyone to leave here feeling condemned like I don't pray enough and I'm not good enough. And all. I want you to leave here saying, hey, I can go to a new level in prayer today. I can change my life. I can become develop a lifestyle of prayer. So constant prayer is important. Praying with consistency, not constant. Consistent prayer is important. I love what David says in Psalm 55. Let's look what he says. He says, morning, noon, and night, I cry out in my distress. Okay. How many have ever been in a distressful situation, right? And what David was in a distress, and he said, morning, noon, and night, I pray to God, and the Lord hears my voice. He ransoms me and keeps me safe from the battles waged against me. And, and though many still oppose me, God, who has ruled forever, will hear me and humble me and humble them, sorry. For my enemies refuse to change their ways. They do not fear God. Okay? And I want to say this. You might be saved and on your way to heaven, and that's good. But sometimes there's a battle. How many know we have battles in life? We have spiritual battles in life. And, and there's, there's a wrestling in prayer that, as believers, we need to learn to wrestle in prayer. We need to learn to pray, the word push, pray until something happens. Many times we just pray, and then we just kind of, okay, well, I, I've already prayed about that. But there's a pushing, there's a wrestling uh, in prayer, all right? Because prayer prepares the way for God to move in our lives, okay? Now, um, say so we need to pray without ceasing. What Paul is saying is we have to have a consistent prayer life. We need to pray. We need to pray because when we pray, you know, we're pushing through until something happens. Now, Matthew, now let's look at Jesus' prayer life. I think Jesus, Jesus is a good guy to follow, right? That's our... Our mission statement of the church, live like Jesus, share his love, right? So, and, and when he had sent the multitudes away, okay, uh, he went up into the mountain by himself to pray. And, and when we get out of the busyness of our life and the, the work, we come out of our workplace where we're around we, our multitudes, people were around, people were busy, whatever we do, you know, when Jesus got away from the busyness, he went to the mountain by himself. There's something about spending time by yourself with God. And Jesus, the Son of the living God, he, he lived by example, showed us the way. And it says, now when evening came, he was alone there, and he prayed. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. That was a very important night for Jesus because Jesus... Was, it was by, by the leading of the Father, leading by the Spirit, he was choosing his 12 disciples. He had a big decision to make, and so he spent time in prayer with God. How many times have you had a big decision that you've had to make in your life, and you've gone to everybody for advice but never got on your knees? God wants us to be a people when we have to make it, that we get in the face of God and pray and say, God, I need your guidance. I need your leading. There's a big decision I'm about to make. And pray until that peace settles in your spirit. How many hear what I'm saying? 
So Jesus shows us by example that we need to pray. And, and he continued all night. There's something about pressing in in this place of prayer. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Jesus is now in the morning. Having risen a long while before daylight, say a long while before daylight. Now, that's hard for me. I'm not a morning person. How many, you know, a long while before daylight, right? He went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed, you know? Uh, How many remember the movie The War Room? And, you know, it's funny because so many of us watch that movie, and then for like a few weeks after, we're all like, yeah, we're going to, we were talking, we're going to build a prayer closet in our house. And everyone's like stoked and pumped because we see that there's something about solitude. There's something about having a, a place designated to be a place of prayer. And it's important in our lives. Okay. Prayer has power. And Jesus said, you know, he would get up before the sun and pray. Important. We were in Cuba, actually. Uh, Linda, how many know Linda Russell? She was with us. Uh, she's now going to the Pentecostal church with her family in Brighton, but he, she was part of this uh, church here. And she went with us uh, to Cuba. And we were in Cuba. There was, she had this, she was giving her testimony, and she stopped, and she looked at this woman. And she said, this woman looked like she was going through a tough time. And we called her up for prayer, and everything seemed to be falling apart in her life. And there was marriage issues. There was relational issues. There was health. There was just, she was a mess. And Linda said, pulled off her watch and said, God told me to give you this watch. She goes, there's a little alarm on it. I want you to put it on your wrist and I want you to set the alarm for three o'clock in the morning. And every morning at three o'clock, I want, when that alarm goes, I want you to get up and begin to pray over your situation, begin to cry out to God and then go back to sleep. And so she said, okay, I'll do it. Well, a few months later, we went back to Cuba, and Linda wasn't with us at the time, but we went back, and this woman came up, and she was glowing this time. And she goes, remember me? I'm the one with the watch that Linda gave me. I said, yeah, tell me what's going on. She goes, my, my life has been transformed. My, everything's awesome now. Everything is awesome, right? It was like she was, like, really happy. And I, she goes, I, I've been getting up and praying, and God is turning the situations away. There's something about spending time in a solitary place with God that will transform your situation. Isn't that good? All right? And so there's three postures or three types of prayer that I want to just hit on quickly um, today. The first one is meditative prayer. And meditative prayer is waiting or pondering in silent prayer. And it's that getting in that place where you're just quiet before the Lord. How many have meditative prayer? And it's just, you need that place where you're set aside. Maybe you're reading scripture, you're talking to the Lord, you're praying, you're waiting in his presence, you're just worshiping him. And it's silent, meditative prayer. And that's important. How many know that's important? That we have time where we just engage in thought, in meditation of the Lord's goodness. Okay? So that's meditative prayer. It's pondering prayer. The second type of prayer is warfare prayer, and I put intercession in there as well. And warfare prayer is really important because that's, that's, that's when you push until something happens. It's very important that we learn to fight in prayer. And I have a passage of Scripture. I want to talk a bit about Elijah. In 1 King chapter 18, uh, we understand that Elijah had prayed and, uh, because God wanted to bring a drought because the land was in sin. How, how many know there was a great idolatry in the land, great sin in the land. So there was, a, there was a famine in the land. There was no rain for three years. There was a drought. And um, that's where we're picking up in 1 Kings 18. It says, Then Elijah said to Ahab, who was the king, Go get something to drink, or eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. So somehow in his spirit, he could hear that the timing had come, that God was about to send the rain. It hadn't been no rain for three years. 
So Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel. He bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. He, he was bending down. He had his face between his knees. I'm not going to try to do that. Last time I did that, I ripped my pants, so I'm not going to try that. There was a day I could do that much better. But anyway, so he, he got down into this place where he bent down, and he was in a place of travail, okay? And he began to pray. And sometimes prayer is like being in labor. It's like I've never experienced it, okay? But I've been part of being there when my wife has went through it four times. And that's a lot of work. How many know labor is a lot of work, right? You women know exactly what that's like. And, and, and it can sometimes be painful, but there's this, there, you need to press through to deliver something. And, and so, so we see that, that this is what Elijah does. He gets down in this birthing position. He begins to cry out to God. He begins to pray. And then he said to his servant, go and look out at the sea. So I would imagine he was probably in a cave because he couldn't see for himself. So the servant went and looked. And then he returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. So, so, so Elijah's praying, and he goes, go and look, go and look. So the servant goes out, and he looks, and he comes back, and he says, Elijah, I don't see anything. Nothing's happening. So Elijah says, no, no, no. I know it's God's will. I know God's sending the rain. And he begins to pray, and he begins to travail. Go again. So he goes out again. He looks. I don't see anything. He comes back. Elijah, there's nothing going on. Go look again. So he goes out a th- third time. He's looking. He's like, I don't see anything. I think Elijah's losing it. I don't see anything. So he comes back. He says, Elijah, listen, I really respect you, man, but like, your prayer's not working. Go, go check again. Now, now, it doesn't tell us how long he was praying between intervals of sending the servant back and forth, but he goes out again a fourth time. You get the point. He goes seven times looking to see the evidence of the prayer that's being birthed here. And, and, and I want to ask you this question. How many times, you know, I think about my parents, for example. I mean, I wasn't the best teenager. I had some issues. And I, I could just see my mom praying. Oh, God, just deliver him. Jacques, go check and see if he's okay. Yes. My dad comes out. No, he's still messed up, honey. There's something <laughs> wrong with that kid. I'm telling you. He's got issues. Oh, go check again. I'm praying some more. Okay. Seven times, right? But what happened if she gave up? right? What happens if we give up on our kids? What happens if we don't birth it? What happens if we don't pray it through? Are we going to see the answer to our prayer? Sometimes prayer is something that you have to pray until something happens. The Bible says pray and keep on praying. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking because there's warfare. You have to birth this thing into the natural, okay? Seven times Elijah told him, go and look. And finally, the seventh time his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. And so maybe, you know, you're praying and you're interceding for your kids. Maybe you're praying and interceding for a physical healing. Maybe you're praying and interceding for a breakthrough in your finances. And, and, and somebody comes back and says, you just, I just see a little thing happening. That's all you need. Because when that little thing starts happening, God's at work and breakthrough's on its way. And look what happens. And so... He said, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. And Elijah shouted, hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb into your chariot, go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. Okay? And soon the sky was black with clouds. A heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm, and Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. Okay? Warfare and intercession is persistent until the answer comes. And unfortunately, a lot of Christians don't learn that. All right? That sometimes you have to keep praying. You need to keep pressing in. 
until the answer comes, okay? The thing is I want you to see is that Elijah knew what God wanted to do. Elijah knew that God wanted to send the rain. In fact, before this whole thing happened, if we go back a chapter, in 1 Kings 18, verse 1, it says, Later on, in the third year of the drought, the Lord said to Elijah, Go and present yourself to King Ahab. Tell him that I will soon send the rain. So God is saying to Elijah, I'm going to send the rain. So, So I want you to get this. If you don't get anything else, get this next point, okay? Elijah knew the will of God, but God chooses to partner with us to birth his will into the earth realm. So God said, I'm going to send the rain, but I'm partnering with you. You need to birth it from the realm of the spirit into the realm of the natural. And that only happens through prayer. And and we think about that, that as you pray, you can birth God's will into your life, into, into the earth through your obedience. In James chapter 5, verse 16 to 18, it says, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And here's a really cool verse here. The effective, fervent prayer, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And it says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He was just like us. He had his issues. If you read it, he had issues. Okay, He had fear issues. He had all kinds of issues. But he was a man just like you and I. All right? And um, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. So God at one point said, listen, I'm going to bring a, there's going to be no rain for three years. And Elijah's like, what do you want me to do about it? God's like, pray earnestly that my will will come through you into the earth. Do you see that? So he prayed earnestly, passionately, God, that your will will be done on the earth. Right? Your kingdom be done on earth as it is now. You need to pray it from, the, from the, God's will from the supernatural realm into the natural realm. And so he begins to pray that it would not rain fervently. All right? And let's see what happens, okay? So he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. It didn't rain on the land for three years and six months. And then he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Effective prayer, my friends, is fervent prayer. We pray until something happens. We have to go to war until something happens. Does that make sense? Fervent is having or displaying a passionate intensity. That's what fervent means. Passionate intensity, and that doesn't always mean volume. It just means I'm, gonna, I'm holding on to this thing till something happens. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be like Jacob. I'm not letting go, God, till you bless me. And you wrestle for the breakthrough. And that's what God is asking his people to do, okay? So here, here it is. Having a displaying a passion intensity, hot, burning, and glowing. So God wants us to be hot. He wants us to be passionate when we pray. Now, here's the question I want you, want you to, I'm going to ask you. If you knew, if you knew that God needs your prayers to birth his ultimate will in your life, okay, how would you pray? Right? If you knew that God has chosen uh, you to pray his will into your life, how would you pray? How would you pray for your children? How would you pray for your families? How would you pray for your friends? Right? And sometimes we're so, we just say, well, God, I just pray that you'll save my relatives. (laughs) 
But what if you, you, you knew that, listen, in order for God to save them, he needs people who are going to pray hot and intensely and do war for them and pray until something happens. Your prayer life will change, my friends. Because God can do nothing. See, his ultimate will, okay, uh, God reveals in his word his ultimate will. And, you know, we know what's going to happen. We know the tribulation and the end times. Everything's going to happen according to the word. But his ultimate will for your life personally has to come through prayer. If we don't pray, if we don't pray God has to use somebody else because he moves through the vehicle of prayer. Does that make sense? All right? And so um, we need to learn to pray. You know, once, once I was living in Kingston, and uh, I, was, I was working in Madoc. And so I would stay. There's people that I was working. I was working as a machinist there. And I would stay at different people's homes, guys that I work with, because it was, so, it was two and a half hours to come home. So I'd go, and I'd stay there for three days. And Camilla would stay home with the kids. And then I'd come home in three days for a day or two. And then I'd go back for three days. That's kind of the way I was doing it. So there was this guy, Brian, who I was trying to witness to. And I just wanted him to know Jesus. So I was sharing, I was sharing my faith with him and trying to get him saved and everything. And he seemed open. He's like, yeah. He goes, why don't you come sleep at my house tonight? I'm like, yeah, sure. Awesome. And he goes, I'll check with my wife. So he checked with her. And she's cool with it. So I go, and we're sitting at the dinner table, and I'm talking about my faith, talking about life. And all of a sudden, he goes, oh, by the way, my wife's a witch. <laughs> like, great. That's awesome. That's what all the paraphernalia is, right? Um, yeah, she's, she's heavy into the occult. She's witchcraft and all this stuff. And she's, raised, she's raising her three, three daughters, her kids in, in Wicca. And... Uh, and I realized that the conversation was getting hostile. So, so you know, I just loved on them, and we uh, ate supper, and they showed me to my room. And uh, it was kind of an interesting room because it was an old century home brick house, and I'm laying in the bed, and I'm looking, and I can see the light all the way up the corner of the wall. I'm thinking, what is that? Right? I could see light coming in. I was like, and the wall was actually separating. And it was like, it was, anyway, I digress. There was, the wall was actually separating. You could see the light, and there was like, it was, it was an old home. Anyway, so... I'm sitting there, and I'm in this room, and suddenly I, I decided, like, i got to pray. And I started praying for this woman. I started praying for him, and I started praying for the house. And I prayed most of the night, just praying, God, just save them, deliver them. I break all demonic oppression in this house, and I, I pray that you can save to the uttermost. You can get people saved. And just touch your life. Reveal yourself. Let my presence in this home bring your glory and transformation. I'm just praying and praying and praying and praying. And how many have ever had that where you just, you just can't stop praying? Because the spirit of prayer is moving you to pray, and I'm praying and praying, and I, and I was creeped out too, so that helped me pray. Because you know, it's like I'm feeling pins and needles, and I'm just like, okay, this is weird. Um, so anyway, I go home. And he doesn't end up getting saved. Six months later, I get a, a request on uh, a friend request on Facebook, and I go in, and it's it's his wife. She goes, "Do you remember me?" I said, "Yeah." She goes, "I'm born again. I got saved. I give my life to Jesus. I'm raising my kids. I'm going to church. I'm on fire for God. Help me pray for my husband." And I was just like, it was awesome to see that. And I mean, I mean, maybe there was other people praying, but I spent a lot of time just praying, and, and I believe that it, it had an impact on her life. Amen? Our prayer has the impact on people's life when we trust God, okay? Let's look at one more scripture. In Daniel chapter 10, verse 12 to 14, uh, Daniel goes on a 21-day prayer, prayer and fasting time where he's praying, he's seeking God, and an angel appears to him, and this is what he says, Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day, 21 days ago, that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before our God, your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. Okay, And so he withstood me for 21 days. The time that he was praying for breakthrough, 
there was a battle going on in the heavenlies. All right? Look what happens. For I have been left alone here with the kings of Persia. And he's talking about demonic principalities in the unseen realm, which we don't have time to get into today too much. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days yet to come. And so there, there was some wrestling going on in the realm of the Spirit. And sometimes when we pray, um, we have to wrestle in prayer until we feel the peace of God come and say, okay, that's done. I, I don't have to pray about that anymore. How many hear what I'm saying? And, and as believers, as we mature, we got to learn that sometimes prayer, right, if it's warfare, intercession, prayer, we have to pray until we feel a peace of God settle that, okay, that's, I've, I've prayed through this thing. And we have to make time for that because we need to learn to wrestle. Now, we're taught by Paul here that we're called to wrestle. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 and 13, it says this, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. So we are fighting. Say, we're fighting. Invisible spiritual entities. And the way we fight them is by prayer. And when we pray, guess what happens? The Bible says that angels are ministering fire. They're ministering servants of fire that come on our defense. So when we pray, God releases angelic hosts to come and do battle for us in the earth realm. Do you hear what I'm saying? And and there's warfare going on. And as we pray, if we can learn to travail in prayer and pray until something happens, we'll move heaven on behalf of our families, on behalf of our communities, on behalf of our health. I'm telling you. How many hear what I'm saying this morning? God wants us to learn to wrestle. We need to learn to pray fervently. Okay? And so what he says here, Paul says, Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in times of evil. Okay? Then after the battle, you'll be able to stand firmly. So we need to pray fervently, and we need to pray in faith. Amen? And so prayer is important. And so there's meditative prayer, which is easier to do, but then there's warfare prayer. There's prayer in which we can actually bring God's will from the earth realm, it's the spirit realm, into the earth realm through prayer. Isn't that powerful? Okay. In James chapter 1, verse 5 and 8, it says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. All right? Next verse. But let him ask in faith. Don't doubt, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose he'll receive anything from the Lord, because he's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And so we need to learn to just say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust your word. When I pray, I'm going to believe that you heard my prayer. And I don't care if I have to send a servant out seven times over seven years to check to see if the answer's coming. I know it's coming because I'm birthing this thing in prayer. Amen? We need to um, understand the importance of prayer. The reason why I'm sharing this is not, like I said, I don't want you to feel like, you know, like I'm a loser when it comes to prayer. I want you to think like, um, I need to start praying more because this is a promise that Jesus gives us in John 14, verse 13 to 15. It says, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. In John 16, 24, he says, until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be filled. Like God wants to answer our prayers. As long as our prayers aren't selfish so we can spend them on our lusts and on our own desires. But if we really want to grow in God, right, um, he, he wants us to grow. Amen? So why don't we stand and I'm going to close in prayer. And um, we'll finish, we're going to finish this series next, next week because I want to continue a bit on prayer. But um, not every Christian will experience God's strength 
his love and his wisdom at a level that God wants him to experience it because they're not asking for it. And Paul prayed over the Ephesians church, of the church of Ephesus. He says, God, would you grant unto them from your unlimited place of resources several different things? And so I want you to pray this with me. Say, God, would you grant unto me from your unlimited place of resource spiritual wisdom and insight? Would you flood my heart with light? Can you help me understand your power? Could your spirit strengthen me with his might? Could you show me your unconditional love? In Jesus' name, amen. And so these are things we need to pray over ourselves all the same. Say, God, you know, do, put these seven things in me. I want to know them. And, and the Bible says if we have not, because we ask not, we need to start asking for it. Because God wants to give it to us, right? So it's good. So we're done for today. Have a great week, guys, and we'll see you uh, We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.